and welcome to episode number 80 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Brett Colson and Fairway Jay, where we run down all of the big bets, all the big news, all of the gambling industry comings and goings, which has been pretty interesting this week for sure. Guys, we are on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. Please go in, subscribe rate and review we really do appreciate all of those and of course you can follow us on the twitter machine at the lines us and at play picks us we're going to talk the big college football game this week we're going to talk about a debate that's been going on on twitter to get some other opinions here of how things are going with that of course college basketball is underway and jay's going to give us a recap of when he headed over to the breeders cup but first brett let's start here with a big big week in Pennsylvania, as you guys well know, there has been gambling, uh, sports betting going on in Pennsylvania. We talked to Jess Wellman about that on our sister podcast on LSR, but uh, things are really, really cranking up over there now. Yes, finally, DraftKings Sportsbook is fully operational in the state of Pennsylvania. They joined FanDuel, FoxBet, BetRivers, and Parks as online sports betting operators there. So, uh, if you're a sports better in PA, you now have access to the full array of betting options that uh, betters in New Jersey and Indiana have been able to enjoy at DraftKings, which is certainly one of the better mobile betting apps on the market in the U.S. right now. So very exciting news there. FanDuel has uh, some some competition, uh, which we love to see. So uh, good news, I think, for everybody uh, who bets on sports and anybody who's in the industry uh, in Pennsylvania this week. Yeah, no, absolutely. And if you guys are going to going to take advantage of DraftKings opening up there in Pennsylvania, of course, head over to the lines first before you do that and take advantage of the offer we have going on over there. Because, again, free money is good. You have a twenty five dollar free offer at DraftKings as well as a two hundred dollar risk free bet. So be sure and take advantage of all of those things that the sports books are going to give us because we don't get those very often. So I uh, definitely want to take advantage of all of the ways that we can go about it. But yeah, and we have about a week away for even the casino players, uh, Brett, we you know, there are some people who bet on sports who like to play on the casino side as well. And there is even a casino uh, coming here in about a week that apparently is going to have the biggest the biggest menu of options for the people of Pennsylvania to choose from with yeah, Unibet. That's right. That's yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. That's Unibet. Unibet on the way as well. And I pair like 170 you, something games or something or something like that, that they're going to have. Yeah. That's that that's, that's pretty expensive. Yeah, it's, it's like a hundred more than the next biggest competitor or, or something like that. And if you've ever tried to play online poker in Nevada, whenever you've been over here, uh, another one of the things that is pretty un that is uh pretty sad for, for me anyway, uh, maybe Jay, I don't know if you've played on WSOP.com out here or whatever, but, uh, pencil, uh, poker stars has been live in Pennsylvania for all of three days. And it's like already bigger than WSOP is in Nevada. <laughs> like it, it's like three days deep and it's already bigger than what we have to play with over here. Yeah, I, I haven't, I, I do had in the past played on WSOP.com, but I knew when they were making a inroads to potentially get it there, that they would have a pretty good turnout. And it sounds like their online will, uh, will, exceed nevada numbers as a as it turns out yeah absolutely that is uh good news over there and then maybe brett we can get to one day where there is some sort of pact between 
the states. I mean, there is between Nevada and New Jersey, but from my understanding, and I understand you're not the Pennsylvania expert, but uh, from my understanding, Pennsylvania has just been a little weary about kind of going that route with the ambiguity of what is still out there with the whole Wire Act stuff. Yeah, that's what I've read, too. I don't think there's any rush. I don't think they're in, in any rush to join that liquidity pool. So that'll be something to watch, because if, if that if that does happen, you've got the you know the trio of New Jersey, uh, Nevada and Pennsylvania. You had Delaware in there as well. But if you that that's a growing liquidity pool. And Absolutely. other states are other states are going to look at that and say, all right, well, you know, we're, we, we see what's happening here. Let's look into it a little bit more. And as as we all know, all of us that played online growing up, uh, the the. The key to everything in poker is liquidity. You, you, if you if you log on and you want to play in a sit and go real quick and you can't get that thing to fill in a few minutes, you get bored and you move on. And um, you know you got to have people that are that are logging in and playing at all times to be able to really have a successful product. So hopefully we get to the point where that is what we have with these various states that have legalized online poker. Jay, when we last talked to you. Last week, you were heading over to California. You were going to the Breeders' Cup. How was that? What went on? Did you win some money? What's going on with that? It was a losing weekend. However, <laughs> most of the job, I was in and out pretty quick, and I got in there and had a pass thanks to Brett. We Really a, a, a great event and venue to take in the Breeders' Cup, and I had saw that the two-day event uh, brought in a record handle of 174 million. They started the two-day Breeders' Cup back in 2007 when, when they went to the two-day format, and it sounds like betting was brisk, and they took in some real big numbers. I, uh, despite hitting the long shot at a minimum wager on um, the aptly named Storm the Court, 45 to one, won the juvenile, and I had to win and place on him. I still managed to have a losing day on Friday, <laughs> and uh, was betting a little bit more on some. Uh, guys that do pretty well and there were some good long shots and that's the beauty of the breeders cup is there's more opportunities to hit uh you know there's 13 to 1 14 to 1s coming in there's bigger fields and that's the key to be able to cash in um saturday i not only went to the breeders cup and again i was able to get in i, I got great pictures i'm i'm in back by the barns as they're loading prior to getting in the paddock and getting some real good opportunities to see the horses up close and it's uh it's quite a beautiful day at Sanity, but I went from there, and we'll cover some of this in the college football, but I managed to get over to the L.A. Coliseum to see Oregon and USC, USC play that night as well. And so it was a great weekend, uh, Breeders' Cup. If you haven't been, whether you like horses or not, it's a, it's a, the World Championships are something to take in, and it's really a tremendous event. Brett, you uh, let us know. You got, in on the, you got in on the horse racing streets this weekend. I am ashamed. <laughs> no, no, I'm not ashamed. <laughs> Because I lost money, I am sad to report that I <laughs> bet on every single race on Saturday, including the finale. I was getting bets down as I was refrigerator shopping at Lowe's. You might call that degenerate behavior, <laughs> but I went into the day with like, I'm going to bet on all nine races today and I am not a quitter. So I continued betting all the way through. Uh, I got that done, but I only, I only made money on one race. I had Iridessa at 13 to one to win. Other than that, it was a disaster, but I had a lot of fun, not because I enjoy the horse racing part of it, but I find paramutual horse uh, betting just fascinating. 
the, the whole thing is just it is is really cool. So I, I like uh, partaking in that for the big events. Yeah, I always look at it from a standpoint of you have to just kind of understand what you're getting into whenever you get going. This is actually something we'll talk about a little bit later when we talk about this whole debate over closing line value that's going on out there. But, uh, you know, listen. You, you get into horse racing nine times out of ten, be, you're not following it at all except for the time that you've decided that you are going to bet on whatever the event is that is going on. So you have to just view it as recreational fun. And once you just kind of get past that, that you don't have any sort of expectation of ROI, then it really does become a super, super fun sweat. So if you if you can get past the fact that like, oh, man, you know, if I don't win, I'm going to be really pissed off. Well, you know, that's just not the nature of the beast. You're doing no research. You're not having anything that's going on there. You're basically popping in and just, uh, you know, renting some entertainment real quick. I think that horse racing is is pretty fun from that aspect. And, Jay, I imagine that's kind of how you viewed it whenever you went over to California, right? It's just like, hey, this is this is more of an entertainment expense as opposed to any sort of ROI gambling proposition. Yes, but like I also just like the sports betting, there's so many good shows. There's good. Uh, there's plenty of free content out there. And if you find guys that are um, good at their craft and really dig in and maybe guys that study the videos and past races and can at least give you somewhat of an edge, then you have an opportunity to win, potentially win and increase your chances. But I, I think you're totally right. You have to be uh Maybe a look at it as a recreational horse racing is fun. It's fun to watch them and see your see your horse maybe come in by a head or a neck or lose by and you, you hear a lot of the screaming and yelling and the <laughs> enjoyment that's going on. But then those that take it seriously are certainly in there to look for value, look for the opportunity for a big score. And I think that's the key with horse racing. I always say it's like betting the six to eight team parlay in a sports bet. The, that's kind of what the trifectas and the supers are. You're trying to hit a big score and a long shot and the odds are against you and the, the takeout is high. But um, I have some guys that put forward that really are into it and study it. And so I, I had some information that was provided to me and some handicappers and st- I was still unable to uh, to pr- provide a profit this week through them. But that's uh, that's the way it goes. And it's like you said, if you have uh, if you're looking at more recreational and you're not going to overload yourself on the betting amount then then you should be able to enjoy it brett we have college basketball underway i was actually on air over at vison the other night on on tuesday night where we had college football college basketball hockey nba all going at the same time i was bouncing all over the place trying to figure out how to to monitor it all but uh it we did have the top four teams in the country take place uh, i mean take the court on opening night. Yeah, a huge week in college sports. Obviously, there's Bama LSU, which we'll get into in a little bit. But also, like you said, you know, the, the college basketball season opened this week with that double header that featured the top four ranked teams. Duke beating Kansas 66, 64, I believe. And then that second game, Kentucky knocked off the preseason number one, Michigan State. So we got a little taste of some potential final four or elite eight matchups in in March. But uh, we just read a story this morning by Bobby Gonzalez, who's a former college hoops coach at, at Seton Hall in Manhattan. He says that the parity in college basketball has reached a new level. There could be some opportunities in some of the longer shots uh, on the futures board right now. So that's I think that's definitely interesting if you look at maybe some of the you know, lower the second tier teams with a little uh, you know some upperclassmen who have been through this before. Um, it, it, I think it's going to be a really interesting college basketball year. Last year it was all Duke and you know the the big rec- recruiting class they had and they fell apart in March. And I, I think there's there's something to to learn from that. 
Yeah, I if you take a look just at the futures odds over at DraftKings right now, the biggest favorite is Duke, but Duke and Kentucky, they're still plus 600, right? So, I mean, like six to one is the lowest odds you're getting for an NCAA basketball champion here. And, you know, I would do this the tip, typically the same way that I would do any of these deals here is if I had an inkling on a team that I thought had a real shot and they were a super long shot, then that was that would be where I would kind of go in and try to get involved. But Jay, last year I got involved on Virginia. I think Brett, I think you uh, think you remember this. Uh, I got involved in Virginia pretty late in the game. Still got them at eight to one to to win it all. When Virginia was pretty had had shown the cards, they were pretty much one of the four best teams and one of the four most likely teams to be able to actually get it done here. So. If I'm not getting 20 to 1 or better on something like this, I probably am just going to hang out and try and hit something in that 8, 9, 10 to 1, like way, way down the line after I've got a further evaluation of, of these teams. Yeah, let me give you an example from last season. And I had a really good postseason tournament in the NCAA. But uh, last year, I made a futures bet at 75 to 1 on Texas Tech. And I rode them through the tournament, but I made it before they played. Uh, Kansas in January and the next day after they had beaten them they were down 45 to 1 I had a friend tech sending me a ticket said he was proud that he got 45 to 1 and we had a good laugh because I played them at 75 to 1 prior and that was a team that had a really good defense it turns out they really turned the corner so there's opportunities on even top teams even you know teams that maybe ranked top 30 through the season that you can get some value during the season and maybe because they're either struggling early on and then they've got some guys that are uh, coming back from injury or academically eligible later in the season and those are kind of the value opportunities you're looking but again I won't play these teams that are top notch that are 10 to 1 or less there's there's literally no value to me in those teams and a good example as well would be Duke last year was very heavily regarded and they not only didn't win the um, NCAA tournament NCAA tournament but they didn't make the final four and remember they were real short odds as the supposedly the superior team going into the season and it just didn't materialize and Brad, yeah, the trend with, the, yeah, I think the this is a good time. Seen, to, oh, go ahead. I was going to say that the trend that we've seen over the past few years is experience matters. You know, Virginia took that veteran laden team yeah. to the title last year. Villanova before that without any big superstars. That's the trend that has kind of taken over college hoops recently. So I think those are the kinds of teams you need to be looking for early in the season. Yeah. And, and that's one of, that's kind of where I was going with this is that it's it's pretty it's pretty much one of those things where you, you kind of forget until it rolls around whenever you're looking at this, but I mean, it's a one and done tournament, right? I mean, like we're talking one and done here. You go out and you have one bad night or your superstar just has his off, his one off night. And and that's the end of your ride here. And you, or you, or you go out and especially in basketball of all sports, you could just face a team that is on fire. And we've seen that in the NCAA tournament as well, to where it wasn't even necessarily that the higher seed played all that badly. It was just that the lower seed just was on complete fire. We've seen these guys just nail three pointers and shoot at this, this ungodly rate in the tournament and, and get some of these huge upsets. And so Jay, I think that's also something that lends to your point here. When you look at these 50, 60, 70 to one type teams, you don't have to win that many games in a row and your the the field in front of you starts to get cleared out a little bit because some of these upsets happen along the bracket uh, along the way as well. Yeah, there's a there's a real thin line between the top teams that are 
not quite getting the odds. And the last year would be an example would be Purdue, who I think tied for the Big Ten regular season title, but they weren't as highly regarded going into the tournament and their their uh, odds were less. And remember, they were just, you know, over time. They, the, the, the guard had the tremendous game when they got beat by Texas Tech. I think it was an overtime and in the tournament. And they were, a, you know, they were a relative long shot, all things considered, going into that tournament. And yet they were a very solid and fundamentally good team. And like I said, co-champs of the regular season in the Big Ten. And there's just such a thin line between, say, a Purdue or a team that's going to have shorter odds like a Michigan State when you get in that one-and-done format. And then it also, of course, comes down to not only the seeding, but the really the matchups as they play out throughout the tournament and what teams are getting knocked off. So I don't. I just think before the season you're not going to get much opportunity. If you, if you take a chance on a long shot uh, – 70, 80, 100 to 1, then maybe if they get off to a good start, you have a chance on some of these prop flops and others to to maybe get it out there and turn a little profit. But you're not going to be able to do it on the bigger favorites. Yeah, just to give you guys the full breakdown here of the kind of the brand name teams here, Duke 600, Kentucky 600, Carolina 900, Michigan State 1,000, Kansas 1,200, Louisville 1,400, Memphis 1,600, Gonzaga 1800 and then Virginia 1800 every team passed that more than 20 20 to 1 or or or, or better uh out there in the uh in the futures odds over at DraftKings right now so pretty interesting stuff and super glad to have yet another sport for us to follow and talk about here <laughs> on the podcast and try to keep my wrap my brain around here man it seems like it seems like as soon as I get, as soon as I feel like I'm getting a, a, a handle on something else, there's something else that pops up that I've got to try and get a handle on as well. But uh, it'll be fun. We'll talk about college basketball season, of course, as the season rolls on here. Uh, speaking of college basketball season, actually, Brett, I think this is a good time that we can go ahead and put a pump a little news out there. We were talking about the DraftKings Sports Betting Championship. You were the first over at the Lions to have something up with some actual real information that we had gotten from Johnny Avello. And now, We've gotten additional information from Johnny Avello about this event here, and it actually is not going to take place in December like they had targeted. Yeah, unfortunate because we talked about it you know, being the perfect, really the perfect weekend to have it, a full weekend of college football and NFL and every other sport that's going on. Now uh, it sounds like it's going to be pushed back to March, which – Kind of runs into March Madness. You still have NBA, you still have NHL, but no football if this uh, DraftKings Sportsbook or, or Sports Betting National Championship does happen in 2020. Yeah, it's a little bit of a little bit of a bummer from my standpoint because I don't think now it would be right. something I would play in uh, because I'm just a much much better college football and, and NFL guy than I am really any of the other sports out there other than kind of like NBA props. But I mean, that's I guess I don't think I'm going to win a, a sports betting championship betting NBA props but you know I don't know maybe <laughs> you know maybe I could but I don't think I don't think that's going to happen and so a little bit of a bummer to me the other thing that uh, Johnny mentioned as well which I do think could help in getting the um in, in getting the entries up it, with it not being a football contest he said they're at least toying around with the idea of lowering, lowering the buy-in to 5k as opposed as opposed to 10k and Jay I don't know how you feel about it I mean there was some overlay last year even when it was only football and it was 10k I think this year if they do lower it to 5k and it's it, I think it was almost it's almost necessary if you're gonna if you're gonna do it outside of football season and not only then increase the number of participants but yeah, you're giving giving more people an opportunity to not only get involved, but 
widespread over the number of sports, like you said. And I think um, it opens up the arena a little bit more for more players. And uh, you also, I think, as a as a promoter or someone like DraftKings that's doing that, when you open up to more players, you're also going to then be able to promote the cross sports and the more sports because you're going to have guys that maybe are specializing that wouldn't have otherwise played and they're, they're going to have uh, an opportunity with some more sports being offered to do that. We have a big, I th- dare I say massive, college football game that is going on this weekend. I guess it's not technically number one versus number two anymore because of the college football pol- uh, playoff rankings that came out, which actually had these teams at two and three. But LSU heads to Tuscaloosa to play Alabama this week. And Brett, from the information you've gotten so far, it looks like the Tigers are getting a lot of uh, a lot of love here. That is pretty interesting. That's according to data from FanDuel Sportsbook so far. That is, of course, it's early in the week. You know, most of the money's going to come in on on Friday and Saturday. But uh, yes, seventy two percent of the bets, fifty eight percent of the money coming in on LSU right now. And could that be because of the uncertainty of uh, of Tua? Could that be because of the way Joe Burrow has looked? I mean, this is a this is a, a Alabama team that has pretty much dominated this uh, this series over the past how i mean you know how long has this gone on yeah the better part of a decade it's yeah. uh it's been it's been ungood um it's Eight straight uh, i believe yeah yeah it's it's been it's been ungood and the the biggest problem here for me is it's almost like you have to throw out I mean, you almost have to throw out everything that's happened over the last. I mean, the the teams, those LSU teams are so completely different from this LSU team that it's almost incomparable here. The only thing that's really the same is that Nick Saban is still over at Alabama. I mean, even Alabama was a team that was just kind of like a better version of LSU where they played unbelievable defense, but the offense was always kind of kind of lacking when you looked at it compared to some of the other teams out there in the country. And now they have this high powered offense to go along with, you know, what is just a also, also just a mammoth defense and LSU now on the flip side has a kind of suspect defense to go along with an offensive juggernaut here, which is kind of the complete role reversal for this LSU team here, Jay, would you ever have imagined in, I mean, in all, in, in all of this LSU Alabama rivalry, could you have imagined a scenario where we are looking at it and, and it was even higher two days ago, a total of 63 points in an LSU Alabama game. <laughs> it was 65 two days ago, but I mean, 63 points for an LSU Alabama game. No. Yeah. You're seeing a different, obviously look with the pro style of LSU, Right now, the number two passing team in the country. Both these teams are top four in the in the country in passing total yards. There, Alabama's just outside the top five. LSU is inside, and so, yeah, you you wouldn't have seen that in years past, and that's part of the the change with LSU's philosophy, which gets down to how are they going to be able to um, attack an Al- an Alabama defense it's not as good as in recent years certainly statistically but again with both teams in the extra week of prep it's hard to go against Saban knowing at home with that extra time to prepare for the uh and have that look of at LSU's offense to prepare that's difficult but I thought I have not made a bet and I thought for certain I'd be taking the underdog but don't feel quite as confident right now but if I'm going to play it that's still the side I'm looking and I just got to see again looking at first half options as well but defensively 
boy, that total is higher than we would have certainly imagined. I couldn't. Going into yeah, season. I mean, can't even imagine. I mean, that is just for me to see a six out there. I mean, in, in front of a, an LSU Alabama game. And like we said, this thing was at 65 just a couple of days ago. We've seen it fall about a day and a half ago to 64, then bottom out at 63 where it is kind of right 65. now. Five. The last three years, there were 73 points combined. I know in these in this series, <laughs> it's just it's it's baffling. But yeah, it, it's just a completely different LSU team than we've seen the last. I don't even know how long. Yeah, and you look at the way that this uh, spread has gone. Opened at six and a half, immediately bet to five and a half, then back to six and a half over at DraftKings, and then now it's kind of toggled between six and six and a half over the last day or so to where we sit right now at six, and it looks like it's probably going to settle there at least for the time being uh, but going on seven and a half hours now that this thing is sat at six and hasn't uh, moved off of that number there Brett as you take a look at this game and you want to go about kind of handicapping it I'll fully admit to our listeners it's kind of hard for me to do I'm blinded as an LSU fan I have the trauma of Nick Saban kicking our ass for a decade in like burned in my brain and so even though I see what this LSU offense does with my eyes I just it's hard for me to shake just the memories of the last 10 years essentially so um, how do you look at this game? How do you cap this game? Do you think six points are too many, not enough? What's going on? I think it's pretty fair. If anything, I'm looking at the total. I, I like the under here. I think Nick Saban is going to want to slow this game down to, to their pace. Uh, so I, I can see this playing out. Certainly not what we've seen the last three years in this series, but I think this is, I think this is going to go well under 65 and now what was 63 it, and it is i mean look it is the the total is falling for a reason i mean you know that's kind of the way it's it's trending and i could see this falling even further because i i think that to, they, the opener there was just way too high jay this whole obviously and you, and you mentioned when you're talking about it i mean like the whole Tua situation has really kind of put a cloud I would say I'm not going to say put a cloud over this game from a hype standpoint because obviously it's everything all sports talk radio and all the sports programs are talking about but from a betting perspective I was even talking to a couple of bookmakers who said they haven't seen quite the action on this yet that they would have expected and certainly they said it would be double or triple what it is right now if there had there been just you know some uh, some sort of even inkling that he was definitely going to play or whatever. Do you feel like, and I have this weird theory and I'd love to hear what you think about this, but I have this weird theory that it might be better for LSU. If a 70% or 75% Tua is under center than if they were to go with a backup quarterback in this situation. Um, What, what say you? I would agree, and and the thing about Tua is he, I, I I'm you, you got to believe he's going to play first of all, and you you, right. you got to also think he's under wraps with what they're totally disclosing here. They're not going to put him out there if he's not healthy, but on, I'll say completely healthy. But he's he's certainly not going to be maybe a hundred percent, and yet 
Um, I, I would say, yeah, you'd rather maybe potentially see him um, if he's not quite ready and the rust factor maybe not being and, and now having to play in just a big, big game coming back without having played in recent weeks. And I think to point uh, a couple points in Brett's favor is not only do both these teams allow 4.5 and 4.4 yards per play defensively. And, yeah, they've got 500 yard offenses on both sides. But the fact that the. Um, uh, the situation with Tua is a little questionable, and I think a, a good point taken that even if he is in there and maybe not quite 100%, they're probably going to go to the ground more, and even with the playmakers on the outside, they're going to probably try to control the ball, clock and change, like yeah. Brett said, and that's the, that's the intriguing part of kind of looking at it, and I don't think there's any doubt when this total was set, you had to, it was it was inflated a little bit, so the value and some of the sharper betters are probably looking that way, but I think it's another game that because of the question marks going in, that's why in-game betting is so appealing to so many people. Now you can get a look at how that's playing out early on and maybe make some adjustments and try to stay ahead of the, the game and the numbers in in-game betting. Yeah, the only bet I have in my account is an under bet on this. I uh, didn't get it at the full 65, but did get it at 64 and a half, which I'm not too uh, upset about there at all and mainly for the same reasons that everything that you you guys just pointed out here i mean yeah i understand two high-powered offenses here but if anything if this goes south for lsu then they're just not going to put points on the board really kind of at all i think that this is not one of those situations where this is a firefight here i don't think this is a shootout i think that if lsu wins this game and keeps it within the six we're probably looking at a more kind of ground grinded out type situation here. I, I don't think that this is going to be LSU going out and lighting up the scoreboard like they have against most of the people this year. Alabama's defense is just too good, just too stout. And I mean, look, they came out with a they came, the athletic came out with their first mock draft of the year, uh, you know, and 14 of the first rounders were from the SEC and 11 of uh, and 11 of those were between LSU and Alabama. You know, what I mean, it's like it's absurd. We're looking at a team with just a massive amount of of NFL talent, you know, on both sides of, of the ball here. And so uh, for me, if this number, I will say this, if for whatever reason, this number kind of if, if LSU starts getting a ton of steam and this thing drops even another if there's any way this thing gets to four which i don't think it possibly could but let's say maybe Tua re-injures his ankle today at practice and we don't know about it and this thing gets to four or something like that um i think i'd probably look to take alabama at home in this situation and i would just be happy to lose the bet because lsu would have won at that point but uh <laughs> yeah. but um I, I think i would take alabama at home here because again i don't think i don't think having Tua out there at, at less than 100 percent is really that big of a deal for um for for Alabama I mean it's still a team surrounded by four and five stars all over the field here and on the defensive side of the ball like we said I mean it's just it's just completely loaded yeah hypothetically what would the line be if if Tua was for whatever reason rolled out on Friday maybe Saturday morning what would the line move to yeah I mean would it move Jay Jay would it move a full two points you think I, I, I have power ratings and yet I can't. Yeah, I, I think yes, but I don't. Mm -hmm. You're not going to see it drop below uh, below four. I don't believe. Interesting stuff here. Of course, we will all be watching this as will the rest well, of the nation. One, yeah. one other comment I'll make is just in looking at the numbers and as you look at the totals, LSU's toughest conference road game was at Mississippi State where they had 413 yards of offense. And 
Yeah, they piled it up on Texas, which is really a bad defense on the road earlier this season. But, you know, that's that's kind of this the big game environment, the familiarity and and going on the road here is Joe Burrow has really been a story this season. And if he performs at a high level, you know, he's got to be considered moving up again if he really has a big game. But that's where your guys is points on the potentially less scoring here is that if they went to Mississippi State just a few weeks ago and didn't near reach near near their their season average and then last week at Auburn or last two weeks ago last game against Auburn 23-20 you'd have to think that this is not going to get to that inflated total absolutely here all right guys one of the things before we look at week 10 real quick that I want to talk about there's been a debate on Twitter amongst in sports betting you know talking about closing line value doesn't matter where does it sit in in value and to a sports better and stuff and you know there's these there's the CLV doesn't matter camp. And then there's the of course it matters. It's like the most important thing camp. And Brett, I actually kind of think that the answer is that you're that they're both right, because it depends on what you're doing when it all comes down to closing line value. If you're a pro better then yeah, of course, like closing line value matters and what the closing line is compared to the opening line and all of that completely matters but if you're in the business of kind of what you and I do and in Jay to an extent as well where we're putting out information that really caters to the masses and not necessarily sharp pro betters and and things like that then yeah actually closing line value does not matter at all and I think so I think that both I think both sides of this can be right because if you're a casual better, most casual betters are not looking to make bets on a Tuesday. They're not looking to make bets on a Wednesday. They're not forecasting where the line might move between now and kickoff and, and all those things. Most guys are getting together and they're maybe on a Saturday watching a video or listening to our podcast or listening to some videos or reading some articles or something like that. But most of the time it's probably Sunday morning right before the games kick off when they decide to make their bets. And so what the closing line value is to, I would say, 90% of betters out there is really irrelevant because it's not going to be anything that ever really comes into play for the masses. Yeah, look, sharp betters try to get the best number on a side, regardless of when it is posted with the goal of beating the closing line. So, I mean, you, they can really determine the quality of their bet by comparing it to closing where the action closes and books have balanced action to the best of their ability. If you're beating the closing line, you're ahead of the market and in a better position to beat the books long term. Most casuals, like you said, don't even look at a line until like an hour or two before it closes. So why why would that matter? So I, I'm with you. I think I think I think both you can make an argument for both uh, it being right on for, for for both sides. So um, yeah, it really depends on on who you're who you're talking about. Yeah, I think it's where you sit on this, Jay. I mean, I make videos for you know the lines and play picks, and I, I you know I highlight all of the standalone games that you know the Thursday night football, the Sunday night football, Monday night football, and stuff. And I'll make the video, and then I'll you know in the comment section, inevitably someone will be like. Oh, yeah, but I mean, you could have got this at three or you could have got this at four and a half if you would. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm not making the video for, for that. Like, that's not what it's about. This like the people who are watching these videos and the people who are going in and trying to get kind of some last minute advice. You pretty much have to talk about the games in the state that they stand at that time and not like when you're talking to the masses of sports betting out there. And listen, education process will get people more keen on all of these things that that you and I and Brett and stuff look for. But let's just be honest. I mean, we were talking 
year ago, there was one state where you could friggin' bet. And like, here we are now with a whole bunch of new states and a whole bunch of very infantile sports bettors coming into the market. And for we're, we're trying to explain what a teaser is and, and you know, what a key number is, much less like closing line value. I think that this argument is kind of like getting beat to death over something where both sides are right. Like, yeah, if you're doing this for a living or if you're doing this super seriously and you're trying to make a ton of money sports betting, then sure, CLV certainly matters. But I think you also at the same time have to understand that for the masses, that that closing line value never, not only does it not matter, it actually never even comes into play. You're covering a lot of good points and I'll never debate that getting the best numbers is uh, important and certainly is going to, over the long term, make you some extra money and and save you dollars as well. So getting the best of the number and trying to do that, you know, I had it last week by, by, by four points in a total move on the Packers Chargers over and it didn't even sniff. So it doesn't matter in, in certain points. And another thing I'll comment, it depends on the sport. Um, because I have some real strong numbers in the NFL and competitively lined games, whether you're you know, laying three and a half or four, guess what? If you have the straight up winner in a competitively lined game, you're going to cover it over 90% of the time. How about 81 and nine against the spread when you either have the outright winner on an underdog in a competitively lined game of six or less or the favorite, whether it's two, four, five, they're going to win and cover a high percent of the time. But I will say that I've contacted and been in touch with a number of sportsbook directors and certainly on the show that you're on as well. Um, at VSIN, uh, uh, Nick Bogdanovich from William Hill was on recently about the college basketball in this early season, literally calling it a crapshoot. And you're going to see line moves of four or five points, even up to 10 points on some of the totals. So, yeah, if you can get the best number and really get in when there's big line movements, it, it definitely makes a difference. But for the most people that can't either get their money down or are not studying and handicapping and can't do that, then you've got to make the decision on are you going to play it and also be disciplined to not chase the steam and certainly try not to bet the bad bad numbers but if you can get the a reasonable number that you feel is still uh, based on your numbers and research is, is within reason or maybe you thought they were off because the uh, Nick Bogdanovich admits that they're off on a lot of these college basketball numbers early season, making it more beatable for the betters than, than you have a better chance. And, and Brad, I think the last thing we can kind of put a, a bow on this, and I didn't want to go too into it. I just think that, you know, I think a lot of people are kind of arguing in circles because the answer is, is, is you're both right essentially. But, um, you know, the other thing too is like, okay, let's look at some of these other states as well. Like, let's look at a state like New York. Let's look at a state like Mississippi. Some of these states that are legalizing sports betting and getting new sports bettors involved, but there isn't mobile betting. I mean, are you going to get guys taking multiple trips to to the casino yeah. to go make bets? Of course not. So like the the thought of a closing line value for those guys is pretty much non-existent as well, because you're not going to get a guy to to drive down on a, on a Tuesday because he thinks the line's going to be better than if he went on a Thursday or Friday or whatever the hell it is that he's going to make his bet and stuff. So like you kind of have to look at look at it from that standpoint as well. So, I mean, you know, look, yeah, a lot of the content that we make and a lot of the numbers that we talk about might be stale and and might be numbers that are you know not the same as one a better number you could have got at opening or a number that you know is is not as favorable but we still have to you know the 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 general fact of the matter here is that the the most the majority of people that are betting are 
are not pros. They're not dudes that are out there trying to like turn a huge ROI and turn a huge profit. They're just trying to feel a little bit better about the bet they're probably going to make anyway, right? I mean, like they're, they're going into watching these videos or reading these articles or whatever it might be with a preconceived notion of which way they're leaning as it is anyway, but they just kind of want to be reinforced as it is. And so, um, you know, I think that that's kind of something I think that, you know, if you're too in the bubble, maybe you don't understand about it all. Yeah, just to give our audience the dilemma we have as content producers and people trying to get information out there, we try to get this info out as early as possible in the week for many reasons, but things are changing constantly with news and odds throughout the week, so it's really tough for us to balance that part of it. And I know, Matt, it's even more difficult for you doing videos because those are not easy to edit. Like, I can go in and edit a story and, you know, provide updates that way. You've got You're posting videos the day of for the most part. Because yeah. I mean, that's really that's when the, inf- the information is is you know up to date. You can't really do a video about a game early in the week uh, unless you're doing another one later in the week. Right. Because so many things have changed. So it's it, it is it is a tough balance for us. Uh, and you know it really does. You know, you, you're right. I mean, it, closing lines matter to some, but I, for the majority, it doesn't. All right, let's take a I'll look. Comma, oh I'll, yeah, shoot. I'll comma one more thing yeah. is, and and it's part of our education process and what we do and provide listeners information is to always and, and sometimes later in the week why you maybe maybe are waiting and a lot of it is injury related and Patrick Mahomes situation this week is a good example. If you want to get ahead of the number and anticipate whether he's going to play, you can make those numbers. But at this time of year, I'll comment on football is that with totals, you can make a simple, uh, you can be ahead of the numbers, especially on totals by simply looking at the weather reports early in the week and trying to anticipate, hey, there's going to be a little worse weather. The, the total sitting at 48. It's going to come down. So if you want to bet a better number, just anticipate that because too often on the Friday, Saturday, and then game day, you see these t- totals just getting slammed down. And you, if you would have just spent a, a part of the day on Thursday looking at the weather reports, you would have known that it's going to probably drop. And that's another way just to be on top of uh, that and part of the education we try to provide. All right. So let's take a quick look here at week 10, Brett. Um, You know, look, it's an interesting week, I think, overall. But I mean, a lot of these games I don't have super strong opinions on. I mean, I think my card is going to look fairly, uh, fairly bare this week, to be perfectly honest, when I kind of look up and down the board here. Is there any game that any game that jumps off the page to you as something that you did feel like is uh, you have a pretty strong position on? Well, I don't want to give away too much because this is a lot of what we talk about <laughs> on our Friday show. And then there will be uh, I, I do have strong leans uh, on three or four games. So we'll definitely get into well, let's that get more. your strongest opinion then of the week. And then we'll tease that you can listen in to the Circa pod tomorrow. My strongest opinion is, uh, is on the Steelers plus three and a half at home against the Rams. This is a Steelers team that I have backed for several weeks i feel like they've been undervalued since the start of the season a lot of that is because they've played so horribly but this is a very talented defense that has finally come together the best pass rush in the nfl according to dvoa and pro football focus and here they are facing one of the worst offensive lines in the nfl and pittsburgh can come at you in every angle with that pass rush so jared goff on the road against this pass rush i I think the Rams are really going to struggle in this game. And, I, and I'm seeing a lot of money and bets coming in on the Rams. And I, I think it's a really juicy spot for the Steelers. Jay, what do you think about these uh, primetime games here? The ones that are going to dr- draw 
the most action and look, they're, they're some of the best games of the they're some of the best games of the week here. Vikings and Cowboys and Seahawks and 49ers uh, Vikings currently three point dogs on the road at the Cowboys. If you're looking at the lines over at DraftKings Seahawks, six and a half point dogs on the road at the 49ers. Yeah, uh, my initial haven't haven't bet them. And those two in particular, Vikings is still my lean on that side. Um, You hear a lot of the discussion about Cousins and he hasn't performed in the big games or against winning teams. And yeah, I get that, but still would be uh, the balance and and the stronger defense, I think, for the Vikings. The the Seattle game is going to draw maybe the most bets of the week. Um, And if Russell Wilson hasn't uh, proven that he's well-deserving of MVP at this point with what he's been able to do. He's just carrying this team. And now they've added the weapon of a Sanders on, um, on a wide receiver to help their offense even more. But the 49ers have been obviously the best story of the season. I think going in now undefeated. And I thought, um, yeah, it looked like I can see why the number's gone up. Let's put it that way. And back to getting the best number. I didn't play San Francisco and that's a side I would have supported. And, um, I don't think Seattle's going to be able to go in there. I thought I said this weeks ago on this program. I, I thought Seattle wasn't as good as their record. They're finding ways to win, and they did it again last week and screwed me. I had the Bucks <laughs> uh, plus six early in the week, better more plus five, and they get it done in overtime, win by six. But um, I'm in agreement with Brett on the uh, Steelers. I also believe that the Rams. Just a number, maybe even a month ago, we, we weren't certain that their offense and their offensive line was as worthy. So I think the Steelers is a good play. I'm also playing the um, the Lions this week, took three, see some two and a half, and we'll definitely tease them up as well. And then the uh, game that has me a little intrigued is not, not from uh, what I think is a matchup, but the Bengals coming off a bye, now the only winless team. I know Sharps are going to be on them, and you may not see the line move. And one of the matchups that I have a real hard time playing Cincinnati is in their first meeting, they gave up like 240 rushing yards and covered against Baltimore in a six-point loss. They got there with a backdoor. But I just it's so hard for me when I know that the matchups are awful. This is the best rushing team against the worst rushing team from a yards-per-game perspective. And, yeah, you're laying a big number on the road. And um, I'm still trying to find every reason to take the Bengals here. And, and really, I think their home run spot with uh, off the bye division game, trying to get that first win and the Baltimore coming off the game against the Patriots. So I think is a big dog there positioned right, but the fundamentals don't work. And that's why I'm struggling <laughs> with that one. I love that one, too. <laughs> I love the Bengals this week. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Uh, I actually only have uh, I only have three bets in my account as we sit right now. For whatever reason, all my numbers point to the over in this Bills Browns game. Uh, it has been that this, uh, you know, we, we know for sure that the Browns give up points, but I actually think that this Bills defense is a little bit bloated due to the competition that they've been playing here. And my numbers kind of have this coming in actually way off of where it sits at 40 right now and coming in at 43 and a half. And so if I'm getting 43 and a half uh, on, a t- on a game that's sitting at 40 right now, I'm going to take the over in that just about every single time. So uh, sitting with the over in that game, I think that total is way too low. The other bet in my account here is the over in another game that doesn't seem like maybe it should be over, but in this Dolphins-Colts game, it's sitting at 44. And one thing we know is... Ryan Tannehill will throw the hell out of the ball. He'll push it downfield. He'll let he'll he is not afraid to air it out. He's YOLO situation for him. He knows his job isn't his. And so uh, it doesn't really matter to me that Preston Williams is out. I mean, I think that it's kind of just fill in receiver here and he's going to just throw and throw and throw and throw and throw. And we've seen this Colts defense kind of break down over the course of the last month as well. So 44 
And that one seems a little bit too low. And the only other bet in my account here, and maybe Bruce Arians will bite me in the ass, but uh, I have the Bucks as a much, much better team than their record shows. Uh, a couple of unlucky situations for them. And I have them winning at home against this Cardinals team uh, way, way more than four and a half points here. I understand the Cardinals have started to look a little bit better, but uh, I have this Bucks team winning this game pretty easily, actually. So, uh, Brett, jump in and tell me which one, which which one of those you hate. None. All right, all right. Can you believe that? I know, I know. This I is actually like all. I I love that Bucks play too. We'll be talking about that one tomorrow for sure. Good deal, good deal, guys. Thanks for tuning in this week. And as always, we are on all your popular podcasting: Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google. Go in, give us a give us a subscription. Subscribe, rate, and review as always, and follow us on the Twitter machine at the Lines US at PlayPicks US. For Brett, for Jay, I'm Matt. Talk to you guys next week.